Chapter 4 of A Paraphrase Upon the Epistle of Paul to the Galatians by Thomas Boston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Verse 2. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now, for the further clearing of the abrogation of the law, this I say, that the heir, in human affairs, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant in respect of liberty and actual possession of the inheritance, though in the meantime he is lord of all his father's inheritance in respect of right and title thereto. Verse 2. But he is still under the government of tutors and curators until the time come that his father, in his will or testament, has set for his liberty and entering to the actual possession of his inheritance. Verse 3. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Verse 3. Even so, we, the church of God, while we were in our minority under the Old Testament, though heirs, yet as servants, were in bondage, and that under the grievous yoke of ceremonies and carnal rites, whereby we were rudely instructed even by corporal things as figures of spiritual things. Verse 4. But when the time set by our Heavenly Father was fully come, God sent forth His Son, Christ, being without father as man, but made by the power of the Holy Ghost, as the substance of the Virgin Mary, being also, though Lord of the law, yet in our stead made subject to the law, or covenant of works, its threatenings and commands, whereof the ceremonial law to the Israelites made up a considerable part. Verse 5. And Christ was thus made under the law, that they that were under the law might be delivered from it that all that should believe might be freed from the commands of the law of works as the condition of life, and from the threatenings of the law upon their disobedience, and the Jews who were under the ceremonial law might be delivered from that yoke of ceremonies, Christ the substance of them being come, and that we, both Jews and Gentiles, believing in Christ, might receive a more clear manifestation of our sonship to God under the New Testament dispensation even as the heir, when he becomes major, and actually enters to the possession of his inheritance, appears no more in the condition of a servant, but a son. Verse 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 6. And because ye are now sons come to age, God has sent forth in a more plentiful measure his own spirit into your hearts, whereby ye have a more ready access to God and familiarity with him, whether ye be Jews or Gentiles, than believers under the Old Testament had. There being as great a difference betwixt your and their access to and familiarity with God, as between that which the heir, being a child, has with his father, while he is under the rod, and that which he hath, being a man, come to years. Verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Verse 7. Wherefore, seeing ye have received this plentiful effusion of the spirit of adoption, ye are no more as servants, as the child under ages, but ye are sons, past your minority, and if sons, then heirs of God himself as your inheritance, to which privilege you are advanced through Christ, to whom by faith ye are united. From all which it is evident that your cleaving to the ceremonial law is as unreasonable as if you, being come to years, should return to the state you are in while in your non-age.
Verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not the true God, ye served idols, which are gods only in men's opinion, and not by their own nature. And ye were neither born nor bred up under the ceremonial law, but in pagan idolatry. So far were ye from sonship to God, which ye are now advanced to. Verse 9. But now, after that, ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Verse 10. Ye observe days and months and times and years. Verse 11. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Verse 9. But now, seeing ye know the true God, or rather are known of God, the acquaintance being entirely due to God's free grace, what a return is this ye make to God for his kindness, to return again to ceremonial observances, which are such as can neither justify you, nor afford true consolation, but in these respects are weak, yea, and beggarly, as a coffer from which the jewel is gone, Christ being now come, and therefore no more to be seen in them, to which nevertheless ye will needs again be in bondage. Verse 11. I speak not of this your soul retreat without ground, for ye do observe days after the Jewish manner, viz. their Sabbaths and new moons, their months, as their first and seventh anniversary feasts and sabbatical years. Verse 11. Upon which account I am afraid my labor among you may be in vain, for what will it profit to return from paganism to Judaism? Verse 12. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Verse 12. Brethren, I beseech you, let me have room in your affections, for I assure you that ye have a place in my heart as my other self, and while I so sharply reprove you, I persuade you I am not resenting any personal injury, but the injury ye are doing to Christ and his truths. Verse 13. Ye know how, through infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Verse 14, And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Verse 13, Ye know how that, at the first, when the gospel came to you, I preached it to you, being in a contemptible outward condition, by reason of the afflictions I endured in the work. Verse 14, And that trial of mine, wherewith God was pleased to try me, in respect of my various bodily afflictions and persecutions, ye did not haughtily overlook or despise, nor did ye reject me and my ministry for them. But, upon the contrary, ye received me as a messenger of God, yea, as Christ himself, looking upon me as his ambassador, as knowing Christ spoke to you by my mouth. Verse 15. But where is that happiness ye thought ye had in my ministry? Where is it now? I am sure the time was ye thought yourselves very happy in me, for I can bear witness that some time your respect to me was so great that you would have parted with anything ye had for my encouragement. Verse 16. Ye looked on me then as your great friend, but now will ye look upon me as your enemy, because I tell you that which is truth. Ye should herein be very injurious to me, for my telling you the truth is an argument of my lasting affection towards you. Verse 17. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that you might affect them. Verse 18. But it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, but not only when I am present with you. Verse 17. The legal teachers among you have a great deal of zeal for you indeed, but it is not of the right stamp. Yea, they would exclude you out of my affections, that ye might be zealous for them and their doctrine. 
verse eighteen but i would put you in mind that as ye have been zealous for my doctrine before so it is good to be constant in your zeal for such a thing and it is not good but very bad to have been zealous for it only when i was personally present with you verse nineteen my little children of whom i travail in birth again until christ be formed in you verse twenty i desire to be present with you now to change my voice for i stand in doubt of you verse nineteen o galatians whom i love as my little children for whose conversion i laboured at first as a woman laboureth to bring forth a child and of whom i am as it were travailing in birth again until the image of christ defaced by error in you be restored to its former lustre verse twenty I would fain be present with you, to speak with you face to face, and to accommodate my speech more closely to your present case, for, being absent, I am in several doubts about your case, which might be cleared by converse with you. Verse 21. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh but he of the free woman was by promise. Verse 21. Ye that desire to be under Moses's law, tell me, do you not hear Moses's law? This of itself might convince you of your error. Verse 22. For it is written in the book of Genesis that Abraham had two sons, Ishmael by Hagar the bondmaid, and Isaac by Sarah, a free woman. Verse 23. But there was a difference in their nativity, for Ishmael was born according to the course of nature of a young woman, fit naturally for conception. But Isaac was born by virtue of a special promise, Genesis 18.10, his mother being barren and also past the age of childbearing. Verse 24. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. Verse 25. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Verse 24. Which things are a typical history? For these two women represent the two covenants, with the churches thereto adhering respectively. The one from Mount Sinai, to wit, the covenant of works which was given there, and where the Jewish synagogue under that covenant had its beginning. This bringeth forth children indeed, but such children as are mere mercenary worshippers, and under the bondage of that covenant, its curses and commands. And this is that represented by Agar the bondwoman, and that very conveniently. Verse 25. For as that allegorical Agar, the Mount Sinai, is in Arabia, where lived Agar and her son, and the same Sinai answers well to the earthly Jerusalem, the now Jewish synagogue, nothing being heard from either of them, but do and live but sinai still but serves with the legalists her children sinai and her covenant because it was never designed but to be subservient to the covenant of grace as hagar to sarah her children the legalists following the state of the venter i e the womb from whence they came are but in the state of bondservants not in the state of sons and heirs more than ishmael had isaac's privilege verse twenty six but jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all Verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren, that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Verse 26. But the other covenant, the covenant of grace, with the church adhering thereto, to wit the church of believers in Christ, which is the heavenly Jerusalem, enjoying the reality of all the typical external privileges which the earthly Jerusalem had, 
which covenant and church is the mother of us all, Jews or Gentiles that believe in Christ, even she is free. The covenant is served, but serves not as Sarah. The church is mistress of the family, being Christ's spouse, and her children, sons and heirs, as Sarah and her Isaac. Verse 27. I say the Christian church is that free mother of us all, for Isaiah, in his 54th chapter, verse 1, with an eye to that typical history of Hagar and Sarah in Abraham's family, after he had spoke of the sufferings of Christ, immediately addresseth himself to her, as was in her first days before the preaching of the gospel by the apostles, saying, Rejoice thou that, as Sarah, art yet barren, thy children making no figure in comparison of the synagogue, break forth over all thy disagreements, and cry for joy, though thou travailest not yet to bring forth children, as thou shalt do ere long by the preaching of the apostles, after the effusion of the Holy Ghost on them. For though thou seem desolate as a widow, thy husband being yet in the state of humiliation, and so very little known, thou shalt have many more children, even such as shall join themselves to thee as members, than the Jewish synagogue, which only seems to have God for her husband. This shall be as sure to thee, as if thou hadst all these children about thy hand already. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. Verse 28. Now, brethren, to apply the whole unto us, ye see, we who adhere to the covenant of grace are such children as Isaac, even children of promise, born unto God by virtue of the absolute promise, not by the strength of nature, or by our own works. Verse 29. But as then be that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Verse 29. But as then Ishmael persecuted Isaac, so now the legalists, children of the covenant of works, persecute the children of the covenant of grace. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture, even cast out Hagar and Ishmael, for he shall not be heir with Isaac. The same sentence is passed against the Jewish synagogue, and all that adhere to the covenant of works. They shall be rejected, and cast out of the society of saints, for they shall never partake of the heavenly inheritance with those that believe in Christ. Verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Verse 31. Therefore, seeing we are children of promise, as Isaac, we are not under the legal covenant, but the covenant of grace, and so are free and therefore have nothing to do with the law. End of chapter 4